Quick and essential information to kick off your day. Let's welcome Tiamo Malachi now, uh, talking trending topics. Good morning, Tiamo. Thank you for making time. Good morning, Asanda. Yeah, we're sound awake. And also, good morning to all the listeners. Awesome. Let's talk about uh, Faith Mutambi, that hashtag going on, where a uh, naked partner was seen during a parliamentary committee meeting. Let's start so, there. You, you know, Asanda, this sort of thing is likely to occur, especially as we've moved on into the online world. You always see these viral internet videos of meetings being disrupted by someone who's cleaning the house or some kids running into the room. In this case, it happens to be a naked person. It might not have been a massive story, but I also think the response, you know, about the whole incident by our Minister of Cooperative Government and Judicial Affairs was to be very stern, take a really strong response. And that's also been something that social media has looked into. We're really fascinated by gaps, by errors, by mistakes made by people. And maybe it's a good warning to most of us that if you're going to have some kind of call, especially with a government minister, you're going to want to make sure everyone else in your house knows about it or your door is locked. So I think it's just been a very huge embarrassing error, but also a lesson for most people about this new realm of online technology. So very interesting. I mean, the world we live in now, and I mean, as you say, we're so fascinated with human life. And then when there's a mistake, it's even more, yeah. uh, you know, blown and, and it becomes entertainment. So let's talk uh, what's not entertainment at all, the SABC retrenchments. Uh, we know a Section 189 uh, processes concluded that over about 600 staffers served their last day of service. It's, it's, a, it's, it's still a little emotional for us here at the SABC. I can imagine, you know, you're there on the front line, these are some of your colleagues or maybe people that you know. If you look at what people are saying online, especially on Twitter, no one's very happy about this. And almost everyone is arguing that there are certain executive decisions or some kind of direction that's been taken by the ACBC that hasn't been correct. I mean, that's their theory. We aren't always certain about what's going on behind closed doors. The SABC says that not all the retrenchments are due to those kind of administrative failures. They say some of them is due to some kind of jobs just going obsolete. We're actually seeing the entire realm of media right now, from print media to radio media, even forms of online media, undergoing retrenchment processes. So some of it, I think I really agree with a lot of the people online saying that there were probably some decisions that were taken that now down the line have the ramifications of retrenchments, but we're also seeing a very new kind of media emerging, requiring, you know, some new kinds of jobs, new kinds of ways of communicating with people. But definitely over 600 people, that's definitely a huge retrenchment process. And one can only hope that that some kind of change comes through the SABC to prevent this from happening again and maybe to even recover some of these job losses. But I'm not very optimistic. I mean, we've gone through so many different upper managers at the SABC over the years. Everyone comes in and says they're going to fix the public broadcaster, but that kind of promise hasn't been fulfilled for a long time. So I think the people online, they've been waiting for a long time. And who knows, in the next five to ten years, the way in which we dispense news and information might change so drastically that we might be seeing something like this again.
Yeah, I think for me, just on a personal note, uh, the news department is just where uh, my heart really was just so sore mm. seeing, you know, because I mean, that's where my career started. I started at news. So just to see all these, you know, women and men I've known literally all my career for over 10 years now, uh, leaving mm. and everybody just, uh, you know, sending their send offs even on social media. All right. So let's uh, talk about Uspamadlam Keys and now hashtag justice for spa. Uh, who was brutally murdered in a hate crime and uh, the alleged killer Lunge Lokele sentenced for 25 years and this is as the LGBTQIA plus community commemorates uh, his anniversary. Another sad one. Yeah. So I mean, again, people online saying it looks like for once the criminal justice system has taken this very seriously. 25 years, a very long life sentence in this instance. Is it enough? Not necessarily. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done to challenge microaggressions, to challenge stigma against LGBTQI plus communities. And then, of course, you know, the various ways in which our society is organized. You know, South Africa is one of those countries that had a lot of early progressive legislation, 2006 legalization of gay marriage or civil unions, to be more specific, and, you know, a, a lot of various other supporting legislation uh, because of the Equality Clause, uh, Section 11 of our Bill of Rights, which has uh, declared that there should be no discrimination against people on the basis of their gender identity or sexual orientation. But I do think that a lot of those upper legislation hasn't necessarily translated into a change of cultural norms mm-hmm. and through the behaviors on the ground or into protections for people. I mean, it's one thing to write a legislation. It's another to enact it and to create institutions that protect people. And that's something that was still had to do in South Africa. So this uh, new judgment is still a responsive case. So an incident has already occurred, and at least there's been some kind of a harsh response to the incident. But what I think many people want to see is what kind of decisions will government you know, even local governments take to have more protection, to have more prevention. Mm. And Justice for Spa, you know, this uh, latest incident just goes to show that incidents are actually still occurring. One thing we can maybe be optimistic about in South Africa is that we have the opportunity to organize, um, not necessarily as freely as one would hope, but fellow African countries, uh, there were protests in Ghana just last month, if you remember, yeah. how difficult it is to even organize the LGBTQI plus community in lots of fellow African countries. At least in South Africa, our ability to organize, to come together, um, to form collective movements and to fight for better rights for LGBTQI plus people is at least something we've got and something that we use to build. Yeah. So, uh, hashtag Mulefinseki now talking about the Bafana coach who was fired after failure to qualify for AFCON. Uh, are we still blaming things on our coaches in terms of performances in, when it comes to soccer? This is very debatable. So, I mean, I've followed a lot of soccer, especially club soccer. You will see a lot of managers coming and going within a short period of time, especially in high level teams that expect major results or are paying their managers quite a lot of money for high-level results. And I wonder, you know, the effect that has on the morale of the players if you have to keep changing, I mean, coaches all the time. Exactly. I mean, uh, professional football is quite an intense activity. Um, The pressure's on everyone to perform. I imagine as soon as the manager gets sacked 
everyone's asking questions about what went wrong, who's at fault here. Maybe it wasn't the manager's fault and you bring in a new manager and players need to really pull up their socks. It was, it was a very difficult scenario that you know the Bafana Bafana coach had taking over after Baxter left in 2019. You had this issue of COVID-19. You've got many regulations that had to be met as a result of the virus. It's very difficult to say that the failures were entirely his own. But I, I, I really understand as well. This morale issue, I'm not really sure how it will affect the team. They've got the upcoming qualifiers for the World Cup now, for the 2022 World Cup. Uh, it, I don't know if many people in the nation are quite happy with the team, especially if you saw the tweets online. Mm. I imagine that's probably even worse for the morale of the team seeing how people talk about the team. I know, uh, you know, you know, Trevor Noah's humor about how Bafana Bafana is a special team that we don't really worry too much about. Uh, there's a lot of pride in our football team, a lot of expectations, also a lot of anger that follows them not performing well. And one can only wonder how that affects their ability to perform well in the future. Everyone's looking forward now to the World Cup qualifiers, but I don't think there's a lot of the team spirit that we hope we had. Uh, just one more thing I just want to mention, you know, it's very interesting because the first international friendly that our uh, outgoing Bafana Bafana uh, coach was supposed to do, uh, Madagascar and another African country, they pulled out due to xenophobic violence, which was occurring in South Africa at the time. So another narrative, which is very interesting here, is this idea that South Africa uh, football is meant to be superior because, you know, the perception that South Africa is superior. Now, having been defeated by Sudan and a country that many people thought, oh, we shouldn't have been defeated by, it can also take on this sort of large shock for a lot of South Africans that maybe we aren't the best of the best at things, you know. And I, I just think that's a very interesting dynamic apart from the coach being sacked yeah. that might also be feeding into why we sack the coach why we feel so badly about Bafana Bafana performing badly, because for a lot of South Africans, they might still be this feeling that we should be on the top. Yeah, hey. All right, the AG uh, report, first uh, Auditor General's report tabled by Tsakani Maluleke. Uh, while there has been a 30% reduction in irregular expenditure, uh, he was saying there's no reason to celebrate as accountability mechanisms are still not up to scratch. We had this as mm. part of our poll earlier in the show. That's a really good take on it. We should not celebrate, especially because this is irregular expenditure that shouldn't have been there in the first place. Two things that worried me analyzing a lot of this irregular expenditure report. The first is some of the major uh, ill spenders are health departments. Four out of the major 10 ill spenders are health departments in various provinces. We're meant to be working toward national health insurance, but that means healthcare is one of the most important basic needs. And if there's irregular expenditure related to health, that's going to affect communities, especially during a pandemic. You'd wonder why so many health departments are still uh, unable to account for certain expenditure, are unable to recover certain expenditure, et cetera, et cetera. You know, especially in a time like this where healthcare is so crucial. But it will ask a lot of questions about how capable we are in implementing national health insurance uh, in a situation where lots of provincial health departments have a lot of irregular expenditure. And the second thing is the NSBUS. I'm sure for a lot of students, looking at uh, 9 billion rand plus of irregular expenditure by the National Student Financial Aid Scheme, it's something that still hasn't been addressed. 
And higher education is under the spotlight right now, especially for funding. There's a lot of pressure from uh, young from young people, from students, to address the way in which higher education is funded. But there's a lot of irregular expenditures from NS Bus. Uh, so mm. Randall Carolison and the team need to really figure out a way to reduce those numbers and find a way to fund higher education more efficiently. So between the healthcare and education, the extent of irregular expenditure is something that's not worth celebrating. And we see these annually in these age reports. Constantly, recommendations are made to municipalities, are made to provincial departments, are made to national bureaucracies, and we don't always see those recommendations being implemented. As you're mentioning, the structures that are meant to be in place to prevent irregular expenditure aren't being put in place. So it's not just there's a little bit of a reduction, which is helpful. It's not the kind of reduction we should have seen because of the structures that should have been in place. And I can imagine the Auditor General is frustrated and a lot of South Africans are frustrated. And we don't yeah. really know if this will change anytime soon. Absolutely. There's definitely frustration even coming through from our SMS and WhatsApp lines. So uh, definitely South Africans are frustrated. We are out of time. I wanted to ask about the Jameson <laughs> April Fool's uh, joke on yeah. the breather skincare <laughs> that they launched, but we don't have time. Maybe, I don't know if we'll chat, be able to chat about this tomorrow. But uh, anyway, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it and uh, enjoy the Easter weekend. Uh, you too, Asanda. Samo Malaji talking to us about trending topics. So we need to take a short break and then we'll continue with our programming. It's 20 minutes past four. German 